It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is episode 14 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week talking pop culture. Maureen, how are you doing? Doing great, honey. Another week, huh? Yeah. We made it to week 14. It's September. The air is getting crisp. It's back not getting crisp. You're lying. It's it not. It was cold this week. It it was, Monday and Tuesday were chilly. It was chilly over the weekend. It wasn't cold. I was cold. I'm ready for real sweatshirt weather. Ew, Maureen. No, not yet. Maureen loves the summer. I'm a I'm a fall winter kind of person. Winter until like March, then I'm kind of over winter. But before that, winter is great. Maureen, not a fan. I like winter. Like through, I love like, you know, October and Halloween. That's just because October is yeah, your birthday I month. Love, yes. And I love um, Thanksgiving and then I love Christmas and like Advent and pre-Christmas. And what about New Year's? I love New Year's. And then it's like January, January and February and you've got two long weekends in there. And then once that is over. You don't have a long weekend until Memorial degrees. Day. I know. Until May. Yeah, it's really rough. They got to fix that. We should have a day off every month, a federal holiday every month. I'm going to pitch that. I agree. If we know any senators or congress people out there, we're going to pitch that. That needs to become a law. We're close. There are 11 throughout the year. Did you know that? I did. But there there are a couple of them that are- That doesn't include Veterans Day, does it? No, I don't think that's a federal holiday. But Memorial Day, Columbus Day, President's Day, Christmas. Let's not do this. Okay. More holidays. Moving on. More holidays, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't everybody want to know our thoughts see, about holidays? I just see Josh trying to list them all, talking about listing them all. All right. All right. Guys, we're going to jump into a very important comment we received from- oh, Hold on, hold on. Before we do that, oh. before we jump into the comment, I wanted to let everybody know that Maureen and I were on another podcast this past week. We were on the Mother Podcast for the Vernacular Podcast Network, Vernacular, their podcast, hosted by the founders of the Vernacular Podcast Network, Zach and Sally. So if you want to listen to us on there, talk a little bit about pop culture and do a little fun uh, rapid fire game where you can learn a little bit more about each of us, go check it out. Uh, And if you don't subscribe to their show, uh, we failed to mention Vernacular and the other podcast in the Vernacular Network, Third String, the sports podcast, last week when we did our deep dive on podcasting. How many times can I say podcast? I think a lot. Um, Is it rivaling the time when I said Tom Hanks, Hanks, Hanks a million times? Hanks for listening. Hanks for listening. Okay. We had a great convo with Zach and Sally. They are awesome. Their podcast is awesome. So you guys should go check it out because it's really fun. Yeah. And also, uh, I don't know if I sound, do I sound under the weather? Do you? 
Maureen and I have both uh, been getting over some colds this past weekend brought brought to us by our child. This so, week on TMI with Josh and Maureen. But I just want them to know that, you know, we don't always talk like this. I feel like I sound a little stuffed up. No? I think, I think you sound great. Honey. Okay. All right. As Maureen was mentioning, we did get a comment on one of our posts recently. From one of our VIP listeners. Yes. This is uh, Maureen's sister-in-law, Kathy. Hey, thank Kathy. you for your Thank you for your comment. And, uh, and thank you to everybody who submitted comments. Please continue to submit them on vernacularpodcast.com. Uh, you can leave us a comment there, slash popcast. But Kathy's comment was a a commencement speech by a Juris Doctor uh, from Harvard this past year, and he talked a little bit about what we talked about. So you mean was, a lawyer? Yeah, is that what that? No, he's not a lawyer yet. He just he he graduated from law school. That's the law degree, right? But he's not a lawyer until you pass the bar, huh? There you go. Okay, fun fact. Fun fact. So anyway, the speech that um, she linked us to, um, the guy starts off by talking about um, this idea of infinite scrolling on Netflix, which Maureen and I talked about a couple weeks ago. Josh loves that I hate it. Right. But the thing that he talked about in the speech was that this is kind of how our generation deals with everything. Like we take every single thing we can and sort of infinitely scroll. So we really never settle on anything. And and we're always looking for that next better option. Right. And and sometimes we never settle on anything. So we just give up. And boy, it really took a dark turn. Like <laughs> we, we went from Netflix to this idea that maybe the millennial generation can't really settle on anything. We will never be satisfied. Yeah, that's a Hamilton reference. Good job, Maureen. We haven't had a copyrighted song on the podcast in a couple of weeks, so thanks. You're welcome. Anyway, this is a it's a fascinating concept to think about um, this idea of infinite scrolling through our lives. And if you are also of the millennial generation, we'd be curious to know if you have felt this as well. All right. So let's jump into the snack bag for this week. Josh, kick us off. So last weekend... Um, the Creative Arts Emmys happened for 2018. These are some of the smaller categories from the 2018 Emmys. And one of the results from that was that the live production of Jesus Christ Superstar, which was on NBC earlier this year. Jesus Christ. Oh, there she goes again. Superstar. You're just making up for lost time there. Anyway. Do you think you're what they say you are? Beautiful. Lovely. Anyway, the show won an Emmy. What that meant was that John Legend, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Tim Rice all became members of the elusive and exclusive. Wait, it's not elusive. The exclusive. Oh, it could be elusive. It's like hard to get. Hard to get. Yeah, elusive and exclusive EGOT club. For those of you not familiar, the EGOT is an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So all three of them have completed their final award by winning an Emmy. They are now all members of the EGOT Club. And John Legend is the first black man to receive this honor. Whoopi Goldberg is also one of the 15, that's it, 15 people who've received these honors. So um, pretty impressive. Maureen, what do you think about this? I think it's awesome. Are you surprised that it took Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice this long? I'm wondering what else they won for. Well, they've all won Oscars, Tony's. I know, I know. I'm like curious. We'll have to look that up and link it into the show notes. Yeah, we'll link it. There's like, actually, what was the Emmy for? What was, well, we know what the Emmy was for. Speaking of that, what there's the actually Tony a great for? Ringer article where they rank all 15 EGOT winners in order of 
least impressive to most impressive. Now, obviously, they're all impressive, but they basically weight the different wins and then assign point values and then come to their uh, their top EGOT winner. I won't spoil who it is here. Check out the article. We'll link it in the show notes. Maureen, our next snack bag topic. This is something that I came across that I was absolutely tickled by, and I thought it was just such a perfect collision of things that you and I are both interested in. Let me set this up by saying, you all know that Maureen is a fan of The Bachelor. Yes, and we're going to talk briefly in a brief moment. Very briefly. Well, okay. About Bachelor in Paradise, because the finale was last night. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But anyway, the article that I came across was about how an individual who Maureen and I both know from something else was approached to be The Bachelor a minimum of four times. And it's truly unbelievable. Truly. No one would want to watch. What, I don't can know. we just say who it is? Why yeah, do you the, say an individual? It is the, the person is Jonathan Scott, one of the property brothers. That's amazing to me. It's Blurg. What, what do I you mean, mean? And he, in the article, they have he, approached him four it's times. It's a vulture article, and he's like, yeah, that's just like the last thing I need right now. Like, I, who would even want that? Like, The Bachelor's just not who I am. I'm like, really? You tried to be a clown when you were little. Like, literally, all they've ever wanted is to be in show. That doesn't mean that he wants to be The Bachelor. I felt as though he was saying it in like a disparaging way. Like, The Bachelor was beneath him. Well, and I want to be like, is. oh, no, 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 Jonathan Scott. Come on now. The Bachelor is kind of a lower end TV. No, it's not. It is. It's fake. You still like Survivor. It's different. The Survivor is, is a reality not lower competition end show. TV. It is. Come on, admit no, it's it. Not. No, it's not. Ninety Day Fiance. Sorry, Michelle. Michelle loves this. That is more like. Okay, that's definitely trash TV. Okay, this is middle TV, and <laughs> us in the middle like it. I'd say low, low to mid, low to mid. That's where anyway, I would rank it. we just were tickled by Jonathan Scott being like, no, Bachelor, no means no, no, really, no, no, multiple times, no, I, I just don't can't believe they it. approached him more than once. Anyway, Maureen, go ahead, give us a little brief outro on the Bachelor in Paradise season. I'm sorry, I just have to go back to Jonathan Scott for a second because they like landed at home renovation is like the one thing that finally like made them successful, but they've wanted to be famous forever. And now it says also that they're into country songs. They are. They're country singers. Uh, okay. There's a difference between country singing and being on the bachelor, but they're not real singers. They can sing. They have a music video. It's really good. I'm going to link it in the show notes and you can decide for yourself. I'm going to watch it right now. Maureen, you can all listen to Maureen. No, not right now. No, 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 no. Come on. Tell us about bachelor in paradise. All right. Bachelor in Paradise was amazing. I encourage everyone to watch the finale. Just watch the very last episode. It aired last night. We're film filming. We're uh, recording this from the floor of our bedroom on Wednesday night. So it aired on Tuesday. There were two couples that got engaged, and then there were three couples that had, like, more realistic, like, relationships. And I just really liked it. Standout of the night is Grocery Store Joe. Why, why, Josh is making like the, the weirdest face to me right I now. Just, what? what? What do you mean real relationships? They go and live in paradise for okay. how long? So fine. Spoiler alert. But basically, there's, you know, they're in paradise for a couple weeks. You don't weeks. have to say who. But, no, but, it's fine. Spoiler alert. I'm just going to talk okay. about it. So we had a couple, like at the end, there were five couples. Two of them ended up getting engaged. Oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, they're not married right now. And you know what? Good for them. They just want a Neil... Lane Jenna and Diamond. Jordan already set their date for oh next year. Get yeah, ready, Because it's going to be on TV. Yeah, it is. Ridiculous. Hey, they're smart. We paid a lot of money for our wedding, and our parents helped. And, and guess who didn't have to be there? Chris Harrison. Yeah, but they're going to get it for free. All right. Continue. Okay. 
there were three couples that didn't get engaged, but that they like, you know, either broke up or stayed together. Um, I think two were handled really well. And instead of just seeing produced TV, like schmaltzy TV, you actually got to see the couples on the couch sitting next to each other in this after Bachelor in Paradise, you know, segment where they were actually really, really talking to each other. And I just felt like ABC did a nice job. Um, Kendall and Grocery Store Joe had a horrible breakup where she just kind of wasn't ready and he was. And they showed like them kind of like reconciling and now they're back together. And it just, it, it seemed very natural and very real and less produced maybe than some Let of me the just show. stop you for one second. Regardless of how you feel about the relationships, you just referenced him as Grocery Store Joe. Yes, and he I know, is so popular. I know that's his name, but okay. come on. It can't be Pause. real if that's how you the refer to him. The other thing that I wanted to say is that the other couple that I really liked was Astrid and Kevin. And Kevin, basically, they, they were a really strong couple for several, several weeks. He freaked out at the end, and he came back on TV last night, and he's, like, a very masculine guy. He's a firefighter. He's, like, a, you know, he's very muscly, like, man's man. And he was weeping, and he was basically saying, like, he had a lot of past issues he wanted to work through, and he broke up with – when he broke up with Astrid, he really regretted it, and he went home, and he talked to his family, and he went to therapy, and, like, he was working on himself. And I just think that he was a really great example of – that kind of honesty that not a lot of men show in relationships like that. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, you have Camille and Annalise, and I'm sure the producers told Camille to break up with her on live TV, and he did, and it was awful, and now he's going to be hated by Bachelor Nation forever. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Going back to Grocery Store Joe, this brings us into our next snack bag topic. So Grocery Store Joe is so popular. He was on Becca's season when she was Bachelorette. He got voted out night one. But... America loved him so much that they brought him back for Bachelor in Paradise. He was another fan favorite. And last night on the show, Chris Harrison announced that he got Grocery Store Joe a spot on Dancing with the Stars. They announced the full cast of Dancing with the Stars season 27 today. And Maureen has been a fan of the show in the past. So yes, I thought it would I love be it. interesting to talk about. They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. No, I'm into it. Bobby Bones, yes. When they talk about point. stars... These are not stars. He's pretty big. I didn't say they weren't the pretty big. In the country music world? I didn't He's say a radio host? I didn't say they weren't pretty big, but they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Grocery store Joe na- voted off night one of The Bachelorette. I'm sorry. He's risen to fame. I'm surprised they didn't ask him. Like, Colton who? All I want is grocery store Joe. You want him to be The Bachelor? Yeah, but he's with Kendall, so he can't. Okay. Anyway, he is one of the 14 contestants on Dancing with the Stars. And Morning. I'm going on record right now saying, I of the 14 couples... If I had to pick a winner, I'm going to say Mary Lou Retton and Sasha Farber. Don't Olympians typically have well. a leg up? Yeah, And they Mary do really Lou Retton, well. former Olympian. We'll Who would see. you pick? Oh, I don't know enough about this show. So let me just say, uh, I'm just clicking through the list here. Oh, the uh, NFL guy, DeMarcus Ware. Who's he paired with? Lindsey Arnold. Ooh, former winner. Uh, don't uh, sports people tend to do well on the show? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so maybe he'll do. DeMarcus Ware, that's my pick. Our final snack bag topic. This is not a really This one. is not really pop culture, but I saw the story last night when I was uh, adding things to the outline for this week. Apparently now, this year, starting in 2018, the future is here, everybody, because you can buy a seven-foot-tall live Christmas tree on Amazon.com. How do they deliver it? I don't know, but I'm so intrigued. If it wasn't for 
the fact that you're probably putting a lot of small businesses out of business by ordering your Christmas tree from Amazon, I'd be so intrigued to do this. Who cares? It's going to save us from one of the worst fights we've ever had, which was at a Christmas tree farm, carrying our baby like strapped to my chest and like trudging through like mud and awfulness. You didn't leave a lot to the imagination there, guys. We left without a tree. That's how bad it was. But what I'm saying is that uh, Amazon, they've already got the market and everything else. Do they really have to sell live trees? I mean, they can just sell fake trees. Jeff Bezos takes over the world. He does. I am curious. uh, But apparently, if you want to buy a Christmas tree on Amazon, you can do it this year. All right. Let's move into our marquee topic. This week, we're talking about This Is Us. Yes, we are going to do a deep dive onto the NBC show, This Is Us. This Is Us talking about This Is Us. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. You got a little chuckle out of me. Not not quite Hanks for listening. You but had to think about it, though. I did. So this is your warning up front. If you have not watched the show, but you are interested in watching, we are going to be spoiling things from the show. There are several twists and turns that happen toward the beginning of okay, the series. Okay, they get it. Spoiler. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just setting it up front. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Come back. Bookmark it. Come back later if you want to watch it. First, before we get into uh, our discussion about it, let me just give you a couple stats, facts, and figures. The show was created by Dan Fogelman, who also wrote the film Crazy Stupid Love. It premiered in 2016 and had a ton of buzz behind it. The trailer had millions of views within just a few days of posting. So before it even premiered, people were excited about it. Stars Chrissy Metz, Justin Hartley, and Sterling K. Brown as Kate, Kevin, and Randall. They are triplets. And it follows their stories. And it also follows the story of their parents, Jack and Rebecca, played by Milo Ventimiglia and Mandy Moore in a series of flashbacks. And fun fact, when it was nominated for Outstanding Drama Series at last year's Emmys, it was the first broadcast drama series to be nominated in that category since The Good Wife in 2011. And it actually did win two Emmys last year for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for Sterling K. Brown and Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series for Gerald McRaney. And it actually already won an Emmy this year for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series for... Ron Cephas Jones, who plays Randall's biological father. So that happened at the Creative Arts Emmys last weekend. So I want to kick off our discussion with what do you think the overall impact of this show is? Because I don't think that there's been a show that has generated this much conversation on network TV in a long, long time. I mean, I don't know if I'm qualified to say the overall impact of the show, but I think that it appeals to a lot of different groups of people because... They're they're showing these characters in many stages of life. So the flashback scenes, you know, show Jack and Rebecca, the parents and the kids when they're like very young and then in high school age. So I think people with families and kids of different ages can really relate to that. And then it shows the kids as adults then having their own kids and their own, you know, significant others in relationships. And their own problems. Yeah. And so I think it it, it has a very wide spectrum of the type of people and problems and real life situations that it that it you know discusses which i think is really cool it appeals to more people and therefore impacts more people because it's just got such a diverse cast of characters at all different points throughout their lives and you usually don't get that in you know this type of one hour long you know drama on a major network 
one of the things that Dan Fogelman said when he created the show is that he really wanted to not only show diversity on the screen, but also have diversity behind the scenes too. So 30% of the writers, directors, crew is made up of diverse people, which that's is awesome. which is really cool. And that's, I did not know that. Yeah, and it's actually uh, up from the average in Hollywood, which is 5% really low. Wow. Yeah. So my my take on the overall impact of the show is that, to Maureen's point, it really showcases a diverse group of people. And you get stories that people can look at. And I think there's at least one character or at least something a character does that you can relate to, no matter what stage of life you're in. So I think that even if you're not in a family, you have a family. And you can probably relate to the family struggles that that they depict. I mean, even I'm just thinking like some of the issues they tackle. So they tackle issues with weight and eating and like body image, alcoholism, um, stress at work, anxiety. perfectionism, anxiety, depression, uh, marriage, death. I mean, like, like so many of these like everyday human things that, you know, millions of people are dealing with and, and they, they touch on a lot of them. And it's kind of amazing that they're able to do this so effectively because for those of you who don't know, network TV dramas are split into something that's called the five-act structure because they have to work around commercial breaks, which is totally different than cable or streaming shows. Those don't have to adhere to any type of guidelines. So they're really able to accomplish this in a very tight structure that's not really forgiving. The, the idea is that you have something that will keep someone coming back after the commercial break. So every, you know, 10 minutes or so, or even less, eight minutes or so, you have to have something that kind of brings the viewer in. So that's an added challenge that this show has that other popular shows don't have, um, especially the ones that it's competing against in all these award shows. Do you have a favorite scene or episode that like has really stood out to you? There were there are two scenes that really stand out to me, and they came in episodes that were in season two. One of the things that season two did was that it examined each of the three children in, in their adult life um, kind of on their own. So they each got their own standalone episode. Um, the one that featured Justin Hartley's character, Kevin, talked a lot about his, um, his addiction to alcohol, and there was just a really powerful scene at the end of his episode where he had lost the necklace that his dad had given him before his dad passed away. Um, and he was sort of like on his knees in this yard, yelling up to this person who had it in the house. And it's just really powerful. And the acting there was really, really good. But the other scene, the one that really got me and kind of the first time that it, that I got really emotional watching the show was, um, was Chrissy Metz's standalone episode for her character, Kate. And she finds out in that episode that she has had a miscarriage and she doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She doesn't want to talk to her fiance. She doesn't want to talk to her family. And at the end of the episode, her mom, played by Mandy Moore, just shows up at her door across the country and is just there for her. She doesn't say anything. She just holds her daughter. And I think for someone with a young child, it's just really like that moment rung so true to me. And I think that anybody who has kids of any age, that would probably ring, ring home for them. Yeah. And I think it was really nicely done too, because 
that moment with Kate and her mom stood out to me as well because their relationship is strained throughout the series. So that's just a moment where you don't necessarily expect it and you know that the characters don't expect it. Like Kate does not expect that from her mom. And it's just such a moment of like pure love where they both are able to just let their guards down and like give the love and accept the love. So I would agree. Uh, In terms of my favorite scenes, I really like Randall and his wife, Beth. I love the example of like a real marriage that they set. And the the show does a really nice job of showing, you know, they're more like lovey-dovey or fun or playful moments, but also shows them fighting, which I love because they fight in a way that, that you know they still love each other, but they get really mad and then they make up. And I really like that because I think it's such an honest representation of how a marriage can you still have that foundation of love there, but there are times when you really disagree on something and how you work through that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character on the show? Or a top three if you can't pick your very favorite? I really like Randall. I really like Jack, the dad. Beth might be my favorite. Yeah. Randall's wife. I think my favorite uh, is either Randall or Kevin. I just think that those characters are really interesting. Do you have any least favorite aspects of the show? We've been we've been pretty glowing in our in our yeah, praise. Yeah, so least favorite aspects. I can't really watch this show unless I'm like okay to be in like a little bit of a downer mood. Like hmm, there hasn't been like one episode where you like leave and you're like, gosh, that was like uplifting. You know, there are definitely uplifting moments and moments of love, but overall the the show takes a little bit more of like a somber like life is emotional tone to me. And so I think I kind of have to like be in a mood to watch it and like be okay, probably like weeping because obviously I cry during lots of things. What about you? My least favorite aspect, uh, I have a couple things. Toby. Uh, (laughs) Toby. (laughs) There's a character named Toby and he is uh, Kate's fiance in the show. And he is so annoying. I just literally can't. I can't. He, I feel like people love him or hate him. I had a friend who said, I can't remember who said they love Toby. But but the thing about Toby is the thing that is a bigger problem with the show. And that is that he's just an exaggeration of a real human. He's like a clown, almost. The way that he acts and talks is just so out of reality. And I well, feel I'm like... excited to see what happens. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. The, the, the thing I want to say, the, the last thing I want to say about Toby is that some of the other characters teeter on this line with like over-exaggeration, but he just takes it to a new level. And I just, I can't with him. What were you going to say about I was going to say, I'm excited to see what happens in season three with Toby because we saw some foreshadowing some flash forwards some flash forwards that he might be suffering with some depression and so i'm hoping that his character gets a little bit more grounded not even grounded but just some more real time like time to be real rather than like more of a caricature yeah and and i think that this sort of leads to my biggest problem with the show and it was especially true in season one but i actually felt that the show was kind of manipulative in the first season. And Maureen, you can tell me if you agree or not. I'm guessing you don't, but I'd be curious to hear your reaction. But my thought was that they used a lot of like flowery language and big scenes and big speeches and soft guitar music and 
you know, pretty cinematography to try to manipulate your feelings into something in the first season before. Doesn't every show do that? Yes, but but this was before I feel like they earned it. And what I mean by that is that I feel like they just wanted you to feel emotional off the bat before you even got to know these characters. So whereas in season two, I did get emotional when um, Mandy Moore's character showed up for her daughter. I wouldn't have felt that way in the first season. So, you know, there were plenty of sad moments in the first season, especially early on. Um, in the second episode, you find out that Milo Ventimiglia's character, Jack, is has died at some point in their past. And it was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be this big emotional thing, but it just sort of was hollow for me at the time. Um, I feel like with a show it's tricky with flashbacks because you have to earn the audience's trust and you have to earn their feelings before you can, you know, break their heart. Do, yeah. do you feel that way at all? I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I, I guess I just felt like from the beginning they were setting the tone that like, this is going to be a show that's emotional. This is going to be a show that's like, you know, going to make you feel things. I was just trying to think of other shows that have done flashbacks effectively. And the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Lost. And that's really not an emotional show. Yeah. So um, I was I think I think of this similar to Parenthood. Um, They don't do flashbacks necessarily, but it's that whole sense of like realness and real family. And like Parenthood is a lot less maudlin than This Is Us, but it's of that same vein a little bit to me. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, I think that if you stick through it, if you feel that way and you stick through it to season two, you'll be rewarded with feeling a little bit differently about the show. Um, any other nitpicks for you, Maureen, about the show? Because I have one and I've, t- I've talked about this before. This is a, it's a little more surface level. Yeah. I mean, I, they've, they've said, if you're caught up, they've since explained it, but at, for the whole first season, I was very annoyed that it was always like, oh, well, Jack, the father died, and you didn't know how. And they always was like, but it's my fault. And then it would, like, end. Like, I they, thought they handled it pretty well, though, when they revealed it. It was just too many it. times for me. Yeah. When they revealed it, yeah. But it was like, you, they beat us over the head with, like, he died, and we don't know how. Right. And it, it was, was like, somehow, in, in reality, they fault. would never go this long without actually saying it And I think the writers loud. were probably still deciding how he... Because at yeah. first, they were, like, foreshadowing that it was something to do with alcohol and driving and whatever... Um, so that to me was a little bit, I was like, come on, writers, figure your stuff out so the rest of us can catch up or stop reminding us that you haven't told us yet. So my biggest nitpick, again, this is kind of surface level, but I know I've mentioned this to Maureen before, but why did 90% of the scenes look like they were filmed with the sun outside of the window? Okay. It is so weirdly bright. Please, (laughs) if you're going to watch the show or you're going to rewatch it or you're going to watch season three, just watch because it looks like the sun is their next door neighbor. Do you notice that? Yeah, I Please, will now. Please, this drives me crazy. It not every scene can be filmed. Not All right, every but scene those can... are nitpicks. I mean, like okay, overall. But it drives me crazy. Not every scene can take place it drives at dawn. You crazy. Oh, third copyrighted ooh, song. Ooh. Is what that about? the third one or maybe the fourth you one? You drive me crazy. Oh gosh! All I right. just can't. Enough sleep. of the copyrighted songs. Anyway. The sun does not live next door in reality, so please, the sun doesn't have to be pouring through the windows and every orifice of their house. We get or, it, honey. You okay. made it right. very clear. Just wanted to point that out. Let us know if we're way off or if you agree with us. What do you think of This Is Us? Would you recommend it or not? Leave us a comment on our page. Yes, and I think both of us would recommend it if you haven't totally. watched it. Although, if you listen to this, 
now you've been spoiled. One other thing before we wrap up the marquee topic, next week we are going to spend our marquee topic talking about the 2018 Emmys, which air on September 17th. So if you want to follow along with what we are saying, go ahead and tune in to that award show. And Maureen, before we jump off quickly, I want to hear your prediction, and I'll give you mine, with no research, who is going to take home Best Drama Series and who is going to take home Best Comedy Series at the Emmys next week. Okay, here are your choices. Here are your choices for Drama Series. The Handmaid's Tale, Game of Thrones, This Is Us, The Crown, The Americans, Stranger Things, Westworld. Who is going to take home the trophy for Best Drama Series? This Is Us or Game of Thrones. Okay. You got to pick one. Game of Thrones. Do I have to pick something different? No. I I was going to say Game of Thrones as well. All right. And then for comedy series, Maureen, what is your choice? Atlanta, Barry, Blackish, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Glow, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Silicon Valley, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Atlanta. I'm going to go with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. Okay. So we will see if either of us are right on our predictions next week. All right. We're going to jump to teasers. And I'm horrified at Josh's teaser because I literally hate it and he loves it so much. So I'm going to let him intro it for you. My teaser for this week is a TV show called The Good Place. It airs on NBC. It was created by Michael Schur, who created Parks and Recreation. And he was also a writer on The Office. Stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. This is a very high-concept sitcom that follows Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, after she is mistakenly sent to the good place after she dies. So the good place equals heaven, I guess, is what we're supposed to take from that. So I was skeptical at first how the show would sustain the premise, but it's actually managed to do so after two seasons. And I'd say it's more clever than it is funny, though it does have some laugh-out-loud moments. Um, seasons one and two are on Netflix and I highly suggest binging the show. It makes it more enjoyable in my opinion, uh, watching it week to week. I didn't find it as fun, but season three premieres on NBC on September 27th. So check it out. It's called the good place. Maureen, how about you? We just discovered that you can watch your DVR recorded shows on your computer, like by signing in online. We have Xfinity, and this is a game changer to me. I cannot believe I didn't know this for the entire time we've had this cable service because we pay for a DVR, but we only have one TV, which is a choice that we make because we don't want one in our bedroom right now. And so we have one in the living room, but like if Josh is watching a baseball game, I can't catch up on my shows or whatever. And now I can. Now you can. And it is amazing. Or like if I, you know, well, last night I was folding laundry in here and watching something at the same time. While I was watching baseball. Yeah. (laughs) Baseball. Anyway. Maureen hates baseball season. Game changer. Also, I had dinner tonight with two of my best friends and they recommended The Sinner. So it's on USA. I might be checking it's it out. It's on Netflix. The first season's on Netflix. Wow. So I haven't seen it. I heard it's kind of scary, kind of creepy, but really, really good to binge watch. So we might have to check that out. Yeah. All right. That will do it for this week. Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. 
We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Are you making fun of me again? No, I am just wanted to be the last goodbye. So long. Farewell. I'll feed her saying goodbye. Goodbye? <laughs> I said goodnight. Maybe it's not copyrighted no, if I mess it up. No, maybe it's I don't know. I hate to go and leave this pretty side. Thanks, everybody. Bye.